the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Galland, and I'm joined by Action Network's research director, Evan Abrams. He's going to join me each and every week, and we're going to dive into all the Sunday NFL action, who covered, where the totals went. And we're also going to hear from Brandon Anderson on what he's seeing for week two with his hot read segment. And then at the end of the show, we're also going to check in with Vegas insiders Patrick Everson. He's got boots on the ground in Las Vegas. He'll give us some insight on how Sportsbook did this NFL Sunday. But first, really low scoring start here, Evan. Uh Full scoring uh, was pretty brutal. Uh, first half unders went seven and two. They were eight and one full game entering the afternoon. They finished. Uh, they went about nine and five entering Sunday night football. Uh, full game totals that went under as well. Ten and four entering Sunday night football. We did see some underdogs barking as well. Saw the Buccaneers, Houston. We're going to talk about these teams uh, a little bit more in the show and scoring in general, Evan. Definitely down. Um, over the last four years, we've seen touchdowns kind of start to decrease every year. We saw, only saw 76 uh, in week one uh, for uh, the entire week. And entering Sunday Night Football, we only have 66 so far. So we are uh, struggling here uh, for scoring. And one game that I think, uh, Evan, is going to see a little bit of difficulty scoring is going to be Monday Night Football. The, the Bills and Jets... We might not be seeing a lot of points coming for this game. We're already seeing an over-under around 45.5. Bills are around minus two favorites. Uh, last year's matchups really only finished around 20-17 to 17, uh, for Buffalo or, or for the Jets, 20-12 to 12 for Buffalo. They both won each game. Uh, and the Bills' offense pretty stagnant last year in those matchups. Low-scoring outputs, uh, low passing yards for Allen. Uh, what are you making of Monday Night Football? Are you looking at any picks? Uh, how do you think this game will play out? Yeah, so opening like 48 down to 45. So not only have we seen like no scoring in the games early on in the season, but this total is also dropping. Uh, and looking right now, we're recording this on Sunday night. So Sunday night, halftime, it's 26 nothing Cowboys. So, you know, no scoring from one team. One team got two uh, defensive touchdowns, basically. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking at it that way. And then when you come to an actual pick, I told you this earlier, I, I'm going to have a little fun with this since we're going to be doing this every night from every uh, Sunday night for Monday night football. And you're doing something for the action network called the 180 challenge. So That's right. I was going to copy you and I was going to go with a, you know, a player first touchdown, anytime touchdown around 18 to one each week. And hopefully we can hit a few this year. So my first one is going to be a bills tight end. Uh, and obviously they added Kincaid, but I think he's going to get more targets and catches and even yards, but I think when it comes to touchdowns, I like Dawson Knox, and I think this yes. actually might be someone, yeah, you like as well. So we're looking about 17, 18 to 1 for Knox uh, for first touchdown. He was third in red zone targets last year. He's also Josh's man, so I don't mind it, and uh, we're going to take a flyer there. Yeah, the rule of thumb with Knox is you always want to kind of bet on him when he's over plus 200. Last year, he had nine games uh, where he had odds for anytime touchdown odds over plus 200. He scored in six of them. So uh, for me, with Knox having 15 touchdowns over the last two years, I think this is still pretty good value. 
On the Jets side, it's still a bit of a wait and see kind of thing with Rodgers at quarterback. You know, the offensive line still isn't great. Definitely could see a sloppy start based on the way that we've seen these games uh, go so far in week one. But on the Jets side, I'd be looking at Alan Lazard. Uh, he's around plus 250 to plus 270. And, you know, he was coming off a down year last year, but he still finished with over 100 targets. And Aaron Rodgers brought him over specifically because of that trust factor. And the Buffalo secondary, I I still think they're a little dinged up and overrated. They allowed 18 touchdowns of wide receivers last year. No Tremaine Edmonds. So I really think Alan Lazard uh, could be the guy for the Jets. Now, Sunday games, though, Evan, we talked about this off air and we were looking at all the different games. You know, there's a lot of different storylines here. Some of them were blowouts, but I think we could be both in agreement. The game of the week was the Dolphins and the Chargers. Dolphins win 36 to 34 and win outright as uh, three point road dogs. The total went way over. It was around 50. Uh, You know, we saw a 36 to 34 score. What was your first instinct and first uh, impression here when you, uh, you saw this game play out? I mean, in a week where, like I said at the start, there weren't a lot of overs, th- this was an over. Uh, I mean, this was an offensive explosion on Miami's side. I mean, if you look at Tua and Tyreek, Tua on pace for like 8,000 yards, Tyreek on pace for 3,600 yards. He talked about 2,000. Well, this was like fourth most passing yards in a week one for Tua, third most receiving yards in a week one for uh, Tyreek Hill. So both exploded on a Charger defense uh, and – Honestly, overall, I think it was an okay game for both teams. Like, I don't think I downgrade either team going forward. I think both offenses look good. Tua look good. So, no, no complaints on my end. Yeah, absolutely. And last year's matchup, I mean, they played last year around week 10. Last year's matchup, pretty one-sided. This one was back and forth. Felt like a heavyweight matchup. I mean, I'm not sure if defense was optional, uh, but both teams pretty much offensively did whatever they wanted. Tyreek Hill, like you said, he was unstoppable. 11 catches, 215 yards. Uh, I think he's probably going – he is right now going to probably be the favorite for offensive player of the year when the odds reopen at at BetMGM. And uh, River Craycraft, River Craycraft (laughs) sighting. Anytime touchdown odds around 16 to 1. He was the uh, the biggest odds for a touchdown score this week. Uh, caught one of those touchdowns from Tua. Uh, again, uh, I think the Dolphins are kind of on their way up, but uh, I don't want to sleep on the Chargers. I don't want to just say it's same old Chargers kind of thing, but it did kind of feel Chargers chargering again. I mean, the thing that uh, my notes here, and I'm just taking notes on every game. I mean, tons of tons of stuff all day. The J.C. Jackson uh, pass interference penalty to extend the half gave the Dolphins a 41-yard field goal. Uh, so those three points ended up kind of mattering. So, but yeah, just a lot of offense. I think in a day where you looked and you talked about it, touchdowns are down, not so much in this game. Both quarterbacks looked good. Both offensive schemes looked good. So no complaints. Yeah. And the next game that I was thinking of too, even though one team, we're probably not going to be thinking about them for Super Bowl anytime soon, but the Jaguars and Colts, incredibly fun game to bet and watch. Uh, Calvin Ridley, brought a whole new dynamic to the passing game for the Jaguars finished with over a hundred yards and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, at this point with the Jaguars, I mean, they win uh, 31 uh, to 20, they cover uh, the total goes way over 45 and a half, but uh, the overbetters, I think they were just waiting for that defensive touchdown from the Colts because once that happened, and then you're seeing the interception from Tony Rich Project or Anthony Richardson, who's who he is. That's how I nickname is Tony Rich Project. Just huge for the over. And then the fact that the Colts, like if you're a Colts better in this game and the Colts have first and goal from the three, 
and they don't score a touchdown. It, it just is a knife to the heart. That kind of, it's a brutal melt uh, for anybody who was on uh, the Colts side. And another game, too, that was kind of as it was going, uh, that was also decided kind of in the final minutes was another game in the, from the AFC South, but the Titans versus the Saints. I mean, that game for me, Evan, you know, we didn't see an offensive touchdown in that game until close to the end of the third quarter with Rashid Shaheed, right? And I mean, the Titans end up do covering the plus three, but the under goes way under at 41 and a half. Uh, did you have any money on the Titans Saints here? So, yeah, I actually, I had money on the Colts. So seeing all those drives come down into the red zone and not turn into points multiple times, that was excellent. But I did have the Titans. So uh, I will praise Vrabel. I will love the field goal. Thank you at the end. We really appreciate that. I think it was possibly the right move. I could see it from both sides, but thank you for the field goal nonetheless. Uh, And then I think we have to mention the fact that, you know, people talking about Vrabel as an underdog, but 25-11-1 against a spread when he's a dog of three or more now. So, I mean, in this situation, probably got a little bit lucky at the end there, but again, Carr doesn't cover as a favorite. Vrabel does. Uh, I think one interesting thing when you're looking at touchdowns, Tennessee – no touchdown. So cashed it eight to one as a team total. Um, but yeah, really difficult. And obviously the one note here, officials just costed the Titans at seven points by blowing the oh. dark. Derek Carr fumbled dead uh, too early. Uh, I, I thought we learned about this, but what a chaotic play. And obviously one point finish at the end, but unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the Titans pretty much did whatever they could to give the Saints this game, specifically Ryan Tannehill. I mean, three interceptions. But also I want to give the Saints defense a little credit just because they did not allow a touchdown. They sacked them three times. Uh, they were tenant, uh, They only allowed two third-down conversions the entire game from the Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry finished with 56 yards. And again, Derrick Carr, he threw the ball way out. Normally when he does that, it's usually him uh, costing the Raiders a cover uh, when he was with the Raiders. This time he's doing the Lord's work and covering for uh, the Titans betters here. So <laughs> I just found that to be hilarious. And then Rashid Shaheed, I was almost kind of wondering if Derek Carr was cooked a little bit in this game too, but Rashid Shahid again cashes an anytime touchdown at plus 350, 20, uh, 25 to 1 for first touchdown. So those are some of the most notable parts of those two games. Now, Evan, our memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on the game day a breeze, and you can even find or customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. And we're bringing back the hot read from last season, so it's time to hear from Brandon Anderson, and this is one of his specialties, Evan. So, Brandon, what do you have for us for early Week 2 lines? Blue 17! Nice right! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! Welcome to the hot read. So what is the hot read? The hot read is not just getting the right picks for the week. It's about getting the right early angles and getting that closing line value. Sweet, sweet CLV. We're trying to get ahead of the number, ahead of the lines, trying to anticipate where will the lines move? What direction are these lines going to go? 
if we can get that CLV and be ahead of the market and be moving the right direction the market is, over time, that is a good way to win as a better. So for my first pick for week two, we're going to go with a classic example of a hot read here. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks plus five and a half on the road at the Detroit Lions. So first thing I notice here, five and a half, as we know, no man's land. That number is not going to stay at five and a half. We know this. Numbers don't sit there. They sit there for a while. This is the book saying, you know what? Why don't you decide? Why don't you guys decide where is this number going to go? Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? And we already have a good hint where it's going to go because Sunday morning, before Seattle went out and laid an egg, this line was minus three for Detroit, maybe three and a half at some books. And before Thursday, when Detroit went out and beat the defending champion Chiefs, this line was two and a half for Detroit. So what's happened? Well, the Lions won, so we nudged the line up a little bit. Then the Seahawks were terrible, absolutely terrible against the Rams at home, so the line moved again. So the Seahawks game... I don't have a lot of positive takeaways from that one. They were pretty bad. The Lions, you know, credit for the win against the Chiefs, but it's not necessarily a, a win that moves the needle on how do I think about the Lions as a team. So overall, I think these teams are still pretty similar. I think these, this is a pretty even matchup. We got two pretty good offenses, two subpar defenses. Overall, my anticipation coming into the season is that Seattle is probably slightly better on defense. I think these are pretty even teams. Maybe Seattle's even slightly better. They certainly weren't in week one. But a couple of trends to keep an eye on here. Here's a big one that you need to know for week two. We always know that we want to overrate the teams coming off the week one performance. We know this. We only have one game, and we know not to overreact, but we do anyway. So here's the trend. In week two, teams like the Seahawks that lost by double digits or more when they're playing a team that's not that, so someone that didn't lose by double digits, any other result, like the Lions here, since 2012, those teams are 36, 18, and 3 against the spread in Week 2. So 67% cover rate. And if you're on the road, like Seattle, 24 and 1. 83% cover rate for teams like the Seahawks. We know that it's hard to back a team that looks so bad in week one, the only game we have to go on. But history says we're overrating the result and baking too much into the line. And that line gives us value here on Seattle. By the way, that week two trend we just talked about, that works for the Bears, the Bengals, the Giants, the Panthers, and the Steelers this week. So keep that one in mind. Those are all teams to be thinking about. Well, they looked pretty terrible in week one, but maybe not in week two. Additionally, Pete Carroll thrives in this spot. Off of a loss, 61% ATS lifetime. As an underdog, 60% ATS. This is just too many points. We're playing not just Seattle. We're playing the number. We're playing that five and a half to come down. Last season, Geno Smith shredded this Lions defense. 48 points with Seattle. 320 yards and two touchdowns for him. Detroit scored two. We might get a shootout, but I think Seattle keeps it close, and I'll take the Seahawks plus five and a half. And for my second pick for the week two hot read, I'm going to stay in that opening game. We saw the Lions get the win. Who lost? Give me the Chiefs, minus two and a half at Jacksonville. Now, this is not a line that's going to move a lot, 
but it's all about that key number. We know the three. We know how important that is. Right now, I get Patrick Mahomes under three points. I don't have a lot of rules in life, but if I get Pat under three, I'm usually going to take it, and I'm taking this one. When Patrick Mahomes is either a favorite by three or less or an underdog for his career, counting the playoffs, 19-6-1 against the spread, 76%. And Patrick Mahomes off of a loss, 13-3 and straight up. He does not lose two games in a row. And in those 13 wins, average win, 15 points a game. He is not screwing around every single win by three or more covering this line. So we know the Chiefs didn't look good in week one. What did we see? Well, we saw a team that has new tackles. That took a little time to to get used to it. We saw no Travis Kelsey, but he was questionable. We think maybe he might play in this one. If he does, that's going to move the line again toward Kansas City. We saw these teams play last year, twice, in fact. In the regular season, the Chiefs went up 20 and nothing. They were crushing. Patrick Mahomes averaged about 0.6 EPA per play for the game, shredding the defense. So that was an easy win. In the playoffs, it was closer, kind of. The Chiefs won by seven. They really won by double digits. The Jaguars had a field goal with eight seconds left. Uh, last year, Kansas City had the number one passing DVOA offense. They did not in week one. But we trust Patrick Mahomes. We're going to trust five years of data, not one week, one game of data. And the Jaguars last year, 30th in passing defense. So this is just a matchup. They did not, didn't really make the pass defense much better. Jacksonville wasn't really tested by the Colts this week. Anthony Richardson, the rookie. So we don't really know if their pass defense improved a lot. And don't forget, Jacksonville trailed Indianapolis. Rookie quarterback debut with five minutes left, and Lawrence wasn't even that great by some of the advanced metrics. So give me the Chiefs. I just think it's a much better team. I know we don't have Chris Jones in all likelihood. We may not have Travis Kelsey. I'll like it at three anyway, but if I'm getting it under the key number at two and a half, I'm definitely grabbing this one. Keep it easy. Give me Mahomes at two and a half. I think this gets at least to three easily because everyone else wants the Chiefs and Mahomes too, and it probably gets past three if Kelsey comes back too. Thanks, guys. All right, Evan, let's look at more of the games here. Now, there were some pretty heavy, heavyweight matchups here in week one, but a lot of these games were duds. You know, Bengals-Browns, 49ers-Steelers, Eagles-Patriots maybe to a lesser extent, depending on uh, what side you were. Uh, let's start with Bengals-Browns. Uh, Browns, just defensive show for them, 24-3 to three, uh, win as outright dogs. Uh, the under also coming in at 46 and a half. Evan, this is a total slog, man. 82 yards passing combined at half. Uh, This was the lowest passing yards in a game for Joe Burrow in his career. Uh, He finished with 87 passing yards. Uh, The Browns defense, pretty tough all game, especially I think the weather really assisted them on that front. You know, the Bengals only finished with six first downs total, especially like just to put that in context, like they averaged 22 per game last year. That was fifth in the NFL. So it's a significant drop. Uh, but I'm not really willing to give too much credit here to the Browns offense. Deshaun Watson, to me, still looked pretty much what we saw last year. I mean, I don't really have a better word to say. He looked awful. He might have had the worst like interception I've seen since Nathan Peterman. Like that throw over the <laughs> middle was just like, what are you doing? Like, how are you how is your contract fully guaranteed? But he didn't run for a touchdown. Just too much conservative play calling right now with the Browns. Uh, you know, the yards per, per, per completion were around 5.6. Uh, 
I'm just not sure if the Browns could be successful uh, being this conservative and banking on their defense like that. And to be honest, Evan, like, I'll say this. The Bengals, they kind of threw in the white towel on this one. I knew yeah. this game was over when Burrow got sacked on fourth and four from his own 35. There was 10 minutes to go. You kind of knew that that was coming here. Did you? Yeah, when he didn't have it, he didn't have it. They pulled him. Uh, I, I think you said most of it here. I don't think I need to repeat much. This was just an awful game to watch. But I think moving forward, it's weird to say, but Cleveland won the game. But I'm still more worried about Deshaun Watson than I am Joe Burrow, even in the loss. Like Cincinnati next week against Baltimore, I believe it's like a three-point spread. I, I think that's intriguing, assuming, you know, the bounce back. And Burrow's always struggled with Cleveland going one and five straight up. He's 28-15 and one straight up against all other teams. And, you know, even against AFC North, 8-9 and nine straight up for Burrow, 21-11-1 against other divisions. So he also always gets played close here. Uh, I think the one fear on my end and the note I took, Conklin uh, got hurt for the Browns. So obviously that hurts going forward. They're at Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. So that's intriguing. Fun bet that did cash, Cincinnati. No touchdown in the entire game, 22-1 to one, uh, on their side. So just, you know, out of the mix – Burrow didn't look good, didn't get any of the receivers involved. Like T. Higgins had, you know, no catches early. Uh, so I think they'll get back on track. But I, I think the Browns have a, a serious issue. And Watson hasn't looked good almost in any game. And this, you know, rushing touchdown and then, you know, the slop out there to get the win, good win, but didn't look good to me. Well, and they're facing the Steelers here coming up. And, I mean, if you judge it based on week one results, that might not be as much of a challenge as it was maybe entering uh, week one when we were looking at this upcoming matchup because the Steelers got waxed today by San Francisco. They lose 30 to seven. San Francisco covers uh, the minus one and a half. The under 41 and a half also hits. Um, Pittsburgh, very popular dog today. Uh, And I mean, I don't want to overreact here, Evan. That's not really my style. But are we ready to bail on Kenny Pickett? It was the preseason all a mirage, or was this the Niners' defense? I mean, listen, I think the preseason was m- much more hyped, obviously, and that always happens. To forget the preseason. I mean, every single year, the darling of the preseason, which seemed like Pickett, just ignore it. It just doesn't matter. Um, but I do think there's an opportunity potentially next week. I kind of like Pittsburgh. You just faced the 49ers. You went against probably one of the best defenses in the NFL, Cleveland, had you know above performance potentially against a Bengals team where they basically shut them out. So I, I think Pittsburgh's an interesting spot next week. It's the bounce back, and I, I'll do you know I'll t- I'll start to look at some trends and some different things. But my guess would be when a team got gets waxed like that and gets put into this spot, and they're they're getting one and a half at home. So I, I think P- Pittsburgh's intriguing. Yeah, and a trend that I used to. Uh... Uh, publish a lot. Uh, I published it last year at Action Network. We'll be looking into this again for week two is uh, teams that uh, lose by double digits in week one uh, have historically hit uh, ATS 60% uh, as far as covering uh, the following week. So Pittsburgh would definitely qualify in that category. On the San Francisco side, though, I mean, I got to say it, Brock Purdy looked fantastic. Like, I mean, I know they, they, they were up 20 to nothing at half. Like this game felt over by halftime, but uh, Brandon Anderson, for example, uh, wrote about Brock Purdy's MVP chances a couple weeks ago on the Action Network. He was around 50 to 1 at that time. McCaffrey, as well, uh, was Offensive Player of the Year, probably third favorite behind Chase and Jefferson. He had an amazing game as well. But I got to say, my, I got to pour one out for Deontay Johnson 
I, I don't know if this guy can catch a break. Like he went the entire year last year, didn't catch a touchdown, had over a hundred targets. He was the only player last year who had over a hundred targets, didn't catch a touchdown. And then in the second uh, second quarter, he pulls his hamstring, and he's probably going to be up for a few weeks at least. So the touchdown streak will continue for the time being. Uh, the Eagles Patriots. This game looked like it was going to be a blowout by the Eagles, and then the Patriots defense started to tighten up a little bit. You know, but the Eagles do end up victorious. They win twenty five to twenty. They do cover the three and a half, and the over forty four uh, comes through. But the defense by the Patriots, I thought they played pretty solid overall, Evan. Only one touchdown allowed on offense, uh, four field goals. So they, they were kind of letting Philadelphia kind of take what they wanted. But at the same time, they were really tight on them. I mean, they had one of the most be- beautiful strip sacks on Jalen Hurts. It's one of the like best form tackles I think I've ever seen in an NFL game where it just the ball just popped out. But the Patriots had so many chances. They just couldn't get out of their own way, and the slow start kind of killed them. Like that pick six early by Darius Slay kind of ended up being the deciding factor. I mean, it wasn't really a great way to celebrate Brady night in Foxborough. <laughs> uh, I mean, one thing I will say, it was a tale of both uh, two halves. It just Mac looked so terrible when they trailed 16 nothing, And, you know, the passes weren't there. He sailed one that went to the uh, interception. And then the comeback – surprised me like I'm not a New England guy I in every show no, you were I, you were adamant about the, how the Patriots you yeah. were very down on them before the start of the year and you know the Bills they proved me wrong the Bills being O'Brien and you know and Belichick they just you know the offense looked decent Henry looked good they were you know he was spreading a little bit I mean I still don't you know I don't I don't have faith in Mac but in this game he looked good against an Eagles defense that obviously you know was a cornerstone last year with Hurts so yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing, too, is uh, you're seeing more and more from the Eagles' defense of where they can be exposed. I feel like the Patriots, their defense, uh, other teams are going to look at that tape and kind of see how they were able to neutralize Jalen Hurts and kind of keep him uh, under wraps. I mean, Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne just went up the seam on this defense over and over again. They combined for three touchdowns. Uh, but, yeah, even at the end of the game, like that fumble by Jalen Hurts, the – they go for they get cute and go for it on fourth down and they don't get it, turn it over again. They gave the Pats plenty of chances. So uh I'm maybe not as down on the Patriots as you are, but I think uh <laughs> I think the, the they let one go against the Eagles. But I think it was impressive. Like both guards were out. We saw that announcement before kickoff, and the yeah. Patriots were still in the game. So I mean there's definitely more upside than I think I thought initially. And you had the Zeke fumble. I mean, a lot of things did end up going wrong. Uh so I mean I think the Patriots definitely should have covered. So uh, it's a positive thing for them. One final game uh, that I found uh, pretty fun just because of the irony was <laughs> the Buccaneers and the Vikings. The Buccaneers coming out with a win. They cover the plus four, and the under also hits at 44 and a half. And the reason why I found this game so amusing, Evan, is the Vikings finally lose a one-score game. This is the case yeah. of the Vikings getting Viking. You know what I mean? They outpaced the Bucks in passing yards, total first downs, third down efficiency. Didn't matter because they just had some dumb turnovers. Kirk Cousins got stripped twice, throws an interception. And if you look at the rushing attack for the Vikings in this game, now you can give credit to Vita Vea and the defensive line being able to hold Alexander Madison in check. But like, I know the Vikings didn't want to pay Dalvin Cook, but Madison didn't really do them any favors either. Like he was around three yards per carry. They only rushed for two first downs the entire game. I really think that was the difference, and you really saw that in the fourth quarter when uh, when the Vikings just couldn't convert a third down. 
Yeah, I mean, the one thing I noted was the line movement. You know, it get, got all the way down to like four. Everyone was telling themselves, okay, it's time to buy Minnesota. This is probably the best value you're going to get on the line. You know, you got to go in at this point. And they looked terrible. Like they did almost nothing in the offseason to get better on defense. And I think they got exposed here. Uh, one fun fact that I wrote down, and I was curious your thoughts. So I ended up betting Godwin and Evans both to score touchdowns today. Mm-hmm. And obviously Evans gets in the end zone. Godwin yes, doesn't. I said, I said to myself, if I do that every single week, I feel like I might turn a profit at some point if you get plus money. I feel like Baker's going to go to both of them like often as he did today. And Evans seemed to be his more favorite of targets. But I do find – I kind of feel like Baker's going to be tossing it. And, and I think, you know, Tampa's going to be in some high-scoring games potentially. Uh, so it was just one note I had. I think it's a bit of column A, column B. I think the Vikings defense probably let Baker look a little bit better than maybe they were used to. But also at the same time, if you look at the type of wide receivers that he's had in his career, these are easily the two best wide receivers that he's ever had. And I mean, nothing against, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, like, let's just be real. Like these are the best that he's had so far. So the fact that he has that, I think that forgives him a little bit in that spot, but you're right. Especially when you're getting those guys around plus 200 to plus 220, because normally those guys, when they were having Tom Brady as their quarterback, they'd be around plus 110, plus 120 to convert an anytime touchdown. You put Baker a quarterback, you're getting way more value, especially against a Vikings defense on the road. All right. Well, we've got six games here at the bottom of the barrel. These are the games that, you know, we're happy that football's back. We'll watch it. But at the same time, I, it's a bunch of meh. Like, that's kind of how I felt. We'll start off with the Panthers-Falcons here. And uh, Panthers-Falcons, Falcons win 24-10. to 10. They cover the three and a half fairly easy. Game goes easily under. I mean, Bijan looked great, but Tyler Algier is the man. Like, he ran for two touchdowns. And honestly, the Panthers, from what we saw in the preseason, they kind of looked how we thought. And uh, the Falcons did what they were supposed to do. They ran the ball a lot. They ran it efficiently. And uh, number one picks now, 0-14 and 1 straight up in their last 15 year, uh, fifteen games, 1-14 against the spread since 2003. I mean, we got to go back to Derek Carr's brother, David Carr, for the last <laughs> one uh, in 2002. I don't know how much you can say about this game aside from, like, I think many people got it right. I think everyone liked Atlanta. Atlanta's offense looked decent. Kyle Pitts didn't get enough targets. Like, we're back to reality. We're back to everything we've been wanting. And I think the the monster of Algier and Bijan's going to be great. I think, you know, I have Bijan in fantasy. You know, I think he's going to get his touchdowns. I think they're going to split it a lot. Uh, you mentioned the number one pick stat. Reich now 0-5-1 straight up in ATS in uh, week one. So not great there. And uh, that's it. I think the interesting thing, Atlanta being a dog next week against Green Bay. So at home. So getting all right. It's, it's only like a point, point and a half now. So we'll see how that goes. Well, and the, speaking of the people getting it right, uh, I'm not sure if the majority of people who were thinking about the Houston Texans uh, renaissance were, were maybe on the same uh, wavelength here because Baltimore just took care of business. They win 25 to 9. They cover the nine and a half or they cover the 10, depending on uh, what you had. The undergoes uh, under 43 and a half hits fairly easily. Honestly, it wouldn't be a Ravens game without a running back injury uh, and a random running back touchdown scored. You know, Justice Hill, he hits at 12 to one right after J.K. Dobbins, who scores an amazing spinning touchdown. And then the next drive tears his Achilles. So that that's really unfortunate now. And uh, Ravens now 12-4 and against the spread in week ones. And uh, this is right from your data, most profitable week one coach in our Bet Labs database. 
Yeah, the only thing I got to say with Baltimore, aside from everything, is just injuries just stinks, just sucks. Dobbins, Stanley, Williams, just not good, especially going into a Cincinnati game next week. Uh, And the great thing for Baltimore on the other side was Flowers. Nine receptions, ten targets, over two and a half receptions, very easy. But he looked like a big part of the offense. Uh, So got to like that going forward. Cardinals commanders, a lot of people like myself have the Cardinals finishing with the worst record and uh, they're on their way, but they did cover the spread. Uh, They did uh, uh, lose, but it was 20 to 16 for the commanders and the total does go under. This game was a tough watch, man. Did you find anything from this game that that entertained you at all? Other than the fact that Ron Rivera should probably be the first coach fired. Yeah, God, that needs to end right now. That was honestly one of my notes. But Arizona, fewest tickets of any game today. So obviously they get the cover for anyone who is dangerous enough to go in there. Uh, Howell's line, they looked awful. He got sacked six times. So that might be something to look at going forward. Uh, And just one fun stat, under and commanders home games. Now 19-5-1 last 25. So that's interesting going forward. And Sam Howell did end up scoring a touchdown in that game. He was around plus 350 for an anytime touchdown. In the AFC West, Raiders-Broncos have a nice little matchup, uh, uh, maybe on paper, but uh, finished result was 17-16 uh, for the Raiders. Uh, Raiders win as an outright dog, undergoes 43. I mean, Evan, the game started exciting. Uh, you know, the... Broncos go for go for a fa- uh, kickoff fake right off the hop, which is right up my alley. I love that kind of stuff. But after that, nothing really happened. It felt like, honestly, the same old Broncos. For anybody who listened to this podcast last year, we always had the Broncos at the back end of the pod because it was always the least interesting game because nothing ever happened. And Russell Wilson, yeah, he sure he had a, a higher completion percentage. But same thing like we were talking about with Deshaun Watson, just this conservative play call where you, they yeah. never want to really throw it past five yards. It, you got to let Russ cook. If you're going to pay him that kind of money, you got to let him throw it downfield. Uh, Packers Bears didn't really take long for the Justin Fields hype to go off the rails, right? <laughs> that was a, like the Packers win 38 to 20, uh, win as a road dog, uh, just own the Bears continuously over 40 and a half very easily. Jordan Love has three passing touchdowns. Were you impressed with Love's uh, week one uh, debut, I guess, with the Packers? If, in yeah, really impressed. Form? Yeah, I mean, I, really, I just have to look at it like he had no interceptions. The Bears' defense looked just terrible at times as they were allowing Love to do anything. I just dug out, dug up one fun stat. So Green Bay quarterbacks, three-plus passing touchdowns, zero interceptions against the Bears. Rodgers did it 11 times. Favre did it twice. And now Jordan Love. It's just terrible. Now 12-29-1 against a spread against the Packers over the last 20 years. At some point, Fields has to win games. I think it was almost like clockwork with Justin Fields throwing an interception. He has now thrown an interception in all five games that he has played against the Green Bay Packers. He was around minus 115. And uh, if you had the over, that pick six in the fourth quarter essentially sealed it. And then they ended up scoring another touchdown as well to put the the total over. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have had Jordan Love as uh, one of two quarterbacks to throw three touchdowns today. I I think that really shocked me here. Uh, Let's uh, wrap it up here. Rams, Seahawks. Uh, I mean – Seahawks, they just got run over uh, by, by the Rams. Uh, Rams went 30 to 13, uh, win as four and a half point underdogs. The under comes through at 44 and a half. Did you watch much of this one? I watched a little bit of it. I, the only notes here Kyron and Akers both scored. So I, I seemed like they're going to be a dual backfield there. Uh, but anybody who had Puka this week, I mean, 
what like without Coop there, uh, Cooper Cup there, uh, fifteen targets for Puka. So just nuts. Just looking at his way, him and Atwell were amazing. Uh, and the one good trend, uh, McVeigh continues to dominate Pete Carroll. Uh, ten and four against the spread, uh, covering nine of his last ten against Pete. And Geno Smith, uh, the passing game just was not oh. working at all. Yeah, of course we saw a touchdown to DK Metcalf, but that was about it. They couldn't really get anything going offensively. They were missing some key guys on defense as well. And I think uh, we were talking about keeping it clean in the pocket. Matt Stafford had the highest odds to throw an interception this week. He was at minus wow. 160. Kept it clean. And they bled the clock pretty much the entire game. Really were in control. So the Rams uh, start off with a win. Seahawks now have a uphill battle to climb. The NFL is back, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-IN-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. And now we welcome in Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He is our boots on the ground in Las Vegas and is very in tune with the local sports betting scene. Now, Patrick, from your vibe and the people that you've been speaking with, how did the books do overall for this first NFL Sunday of the season? I think it was a mixed bag. I didn't hear anything that like the public got over on the books because generally if the public does well, then, then, then the books do not do well, especially when it comes to the NFL because – Parlays and especially money line parlays are so popular. They roll those from favorite to favorite all day long and probably would have rolled them into Dallas tonight in all likelihood. Tomorrow is kind of interesting, Gilles. We'll have to see, you know, what survived today to roll into tomorrow because there's certainly a lot of public attention on the Jets, even though they are the dog on Monday night football with the, with the Buffalo Bills. But it sounded like kind of a, uh, kind of a up and down day. One odds maker I spoke with pointed to the Patriots, uh, the Eagles Patriots game 
as the Patriots being a big, big need. And that's despite there was sharp play coming in on the Patriots throughout the past week uh, and multiple books. They, they acknowledge this. And one odds maker said, even with the sharp play, obviously the public tends to overwhelm that. And they had a lot of sharp play on New England, took that line down, I believe as low as three and a half, even money on the Eagles. But the book still needed New England because Philly was getting a ton, ton, ton of public play and Philly ultimately got there and covered that final number. But I think one of the more interesting games that multiple odds makers talked about, including the folks at BetMGM, was this Cardinals-Commanders game. There is such a tremendous anti-Cardinals sentiment this season, Jill. And it as, as bad as people perhaps expect the Commanders to be, or at least not great, uh, they're going to ride. They were riding the commanders like crazy. Scott Shelton with BetMGM Nevada. He's been behind the counter at BetMGM Nevada here for years. He told me late Saturday night, he's like, I can't believe that the commanders are a seven point favorite against any professional team, but they were. And in fact, BetMGM here in Nevada took a significant six figure play on the commanders at minus seven. And the Ooh. commanders did not get there. The Cardinals end up covering the number. And that was really huge. There was one odds maker that told me they just, they really needed, they, they couldn't have the Cardinals money line because for whatever reason, this particular odds maker was seeing a lot of action on Cardinals money line as bad as the Cardinals are expected to be. And with the fact that it looks like they're tanking before the season even begins, but they were all over Washington on the spread. And he said, we just needed Washington by one to six. So it turned out to be a really good result. Uh, for that particular odds maker, and probably for most odds makers, that Washington ended up not covering that number in a four-point win. Yeah, the fact that Washington was not able to cover despite scoring two touchdowns, while the Cardinals only scored one touchdown that was not an offensive touchdown, uh, again, <laughs> still boggles my mind. Uh, the Monday game, though, a lot of people, especially if they were struggling with today, maybe they they didn't they weren't on the right side of that kind of result, uh, are going to be starting to look at the Bills and Jets now. Bills sitting there around minus two. Uh, are we seeing any early action already for Monday's game? Oh, definitely, and and mainly because it's such a. I mean, Monday Night Football is always going to be popular, but this is at another level. You've got Aaron Rodgers joining his new team. They were on hard knocks, which obviously is going to generate a betting boost, uh, you know, usually for the participant in hard knocks. It had that effect last year on the Detroit Lions. So uh, there's definitely activity on this game. It's going to get a lot heavier over the course of the day, Monday. But from BetMGM earlier Sunday, you know, well in advance of kickoff on this game, it was the lean was actually toward the Bills, about two-to-one tickets and about 60% of money on the Bills, on the spread, helping take that number from minus one-and-a-half to minus two-and-a-half. And I know from talking from some odds makers, uh, and you know, perhaps to reiterate with, with people listening and watching, uh, these numbers have been bet into, these lines have been bet into for months. Some of these games have been up since May, depending on the on, on the book you're checking at, but they've certainly been up since May at BetMGM. And there was some sharp play early on that helped push Buffalo up a little bit, but it's been pretty stable in that in, in like that two and a half range. And I do think it's going to be interesting tomorrow, Jill. I just I just I just can't see Aaron Rodgers not taking some more public money, getting a little more support. Now maybe he won't, but it seems like this should get closer to two way play. And I wouldn't be surprised, in fact, in looking at uh, at at Benham Jim's numbers from earlier today, earlier Sunday, as we speak to you. Um. They were playing the Jets a little bit more than the Bills on the money line. So they're liking that plus money on the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. And maybe that's the direction they'll decide to go. Maybe it's going to be a case where, and this isn't unusual, as I'm sure you and everybody else knows who, who, who listens to you, 
they might be in a position where they would love just a really slim Bills win and a Jets cover to uh, knock out the Bills spread liability and any of the Jets money line liability. Yeah, and it seems like uh, with this kind of game, uh, from a public standpoint, Buffalo has always been a very public team, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since Josh Allen has been quarterback. But when you've got that hard knocks team on the other side and Aaron Rodgers, I'm with you. It feels like the the tickets and handle will probably end up being split with uh, probably pros going more on the Buffalo side. Uh, Early look at week two, Patrick, any Mm -hmm. game next week that's already seeing uh, early line movement, sharp action, anything that we can look at already for uh, week two? Yeah, definitely. I talked with one odds maker this evening, Sunday night, as I speak to you. And there's definitely already some activity, some some interesting, really kind of changes from last week's look-ahead lines. And I think the most interesting one is with the Kansas City Chiefs, since they lost at home in week one to the Detroit Lions. So uh, that one's interesting, and I'm going back to my comments on this right now. And what happened there was they had the Chiefs minus three on the look-ahead line against Jacksonville. This is Chiefs at Jacksonville. So it's a rematch of an AFC divisional round playoff game last year that the Chiefs won, but the Jags covered. So the Chiefs were three on the look ahead line. And this odds maker said, we reopened two and a half Chiefs after Casey's perceived struggles in the Thursday night game against Detroit. Now, obviously you've got to give the Lions some credit there, but uh, they did see, they they felt like the Chiefs struggled. What, how, where this goes from here. You know, obviously, it's going to depend uh, in, to some degree on Travis Kelsey, what his you know what his outlook is over the course of the next few days. The reports on him coming back, but uh, what they felt, this odds maker felt, reopening at three on the road with the Chiefs, they thought that might have brought welcomed in too much of the sharp money right out of the gate. That said, they totally expect the public to load up on Kansas City as usual, especially as I alluded to a moment ago. If there's positive news on Travis Kelsey's health. And he's got more time to, to get well, too. Remember, the Chiefs were in the Thursday night game. Uh, don't have to play again until Sunday, so they get a couple of extra days. All right. Well, Patrick, thank you again for joining me. We'll have you back next week. I'd love to get a little bit more of the pulse in Vegas. So that is Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. And now I want to thank everybody for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all our NFL Week 2 podcasts right here on the Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.